there are lots of good reasons to be concerned about AI. There are lots of positive aspects to it, but there is a potential for negative use. My view of this is that we're in the infancy of really developing a human augment. In other words, it's not that it, it does the work for us, but rather it augments our own ability to be able to do work. And as a result, that AI will be a companion in helping me be able to be more productive. You're listening to Getting It Wrong to Get It Right. Armando, welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning and thank you for having me on the show. There's been a lot of talk lately about AI and what's happening within the world of technology. And as you know, you you have been in this space for decades and I felt that it was only fair to have an expert like yourself come on the show and share what new technology AI is bringing to the table for ourselves in the business world and the consumer world. So great to have you on the show. Thank you. And as far as being around AI for decades, yeah, I once had hair. <laughs> I can only blame AI. <laughs> Wonder one day, will it be cutting a hair? That's it. That's the question. There you go. Will it be cutting a hair on it? I tell you, before we get started, um, I just wanted to, you know, give people a little bit of a background about yourself. So if you if you want to share a little bit of a background, would be great. Sure. So uh, IT, computer science by background. And as, as you mentioned, I was a first generation AI programmer back in the sim symbolic AI Lisp era. Um, in uh, kind of early in my career, I became a serial entrepreneur. Uh, in the mid stage of my career, uh, I was involved as a, a turnaround CEO. And that's actually what got me from living in Boston in the Bay Area to living in the Phoenix, Arizona area. In, uh, in my kind of the latest form of my career, I, I uh, a member in a private equity group based out of San Diego, and then that group owns a series of companies, uh, which includes some technology startup companies that are focused around generative AI in, in various market areas, and then also some strategic consulting companies, including one that focuses on uh, providing engineering strategic consulting services and then internal implementation services around AI. And your web address, we just get that out of the way as well, just your web address as well. It's www.newblock.com, N-E-U-B-L-O-C.com. Formality out of the way now. Let's get into the depths of it. What is AI, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning? But I want to ask you the question, you know, everyone seems to be talking about this at the moment. It's it's the the topic on every business owner. And when we met on LinkedIn, I then signed up to AI. I've been playing around with it and I've been blown away with what it can offer. But I also can see some concerns about it as well. And it's one of the things that pops up for me is the irresponsible technology development as well. Um, so, look, what is your thoughts on AI and what are you seeing it going to be developing or doing for people in business and moving into the very fast future as well? All technologies, any technology you could possibly name, has 
both a negative and a positive aspect to it. And over over time, over over the span of hundreds of years, that technology, the good, has dominated. So just like any of those prior technologies, we're going to go through a societal transition. Arguably, this is kind of the fourth great industrial wave. If you count steam as being the first, electrification being the second, PC and the advent of the internet being the third, this is the fourth great one. So in each of those three prior ones, there was quite a bit of disruption, uh, but there was also an enormous amount of opportunity that that got created along the way, and an enormous amount of wealth that got created along the way. Um, And eventually, in fact, arguably, the the PC and internet era that kind of was the dawn of the information age, knowledge age, has been the single greatest period of wealth creation globally of any any that we've ever experienced. I think this particular wave will be an even greater opportunity to be able to create um, wealth, be able to increase productivity, certainly increase the pace of invention and in general advance society forward. Yeah, I'm looking at some surveys online and it seems to be split down the middle about people believing it's good and put people believing it's bad. The biggest country in the world that has welcomed it more than any other one is South Korea um, and France being the less. Uh, so there is a divide. I'm just blown away with all the different opportunities that is enabling us as a business here. Um, stuff that would take us a week to do, we can do now in 10 minutes. It's just unbelievable the creative mind is i'm speechless with what it can actually do but the (laughs) one thing the one thing that i am looking at is that if if we come dependent on ai and if say that everybody is putting information in and they're getting information coming back from ai and then that information that ai is producing will then be machine learning produced by AI, is it stopping people then being creative or will people start to get lazy because they are now allowing artificial intelligence to do all the work or 90% of the work? Well, um, so there are lots of good reasons to be concerned about AI. There are lots of positive aspects to it, but there is a potential for negative use. My view of this is that we're in the infancy of really developing a human augment. In other words, it's not that it it does the work for us, but rather it augments our own ability to be able to do work. So I think what will happen over time is that we will wind up having a deeper and deeper connection with a, a version of us a version of an AI that understands us, understands our ethics, understands our way of thinking, understands our approaches to problems, et cetera, understands every aspect of who we are and what we do. And as a result, that AI will be a companion in helping me be able to be more productive. Are you struggling to grow your business? Book a free business growth consultation with Joe today. In this consultation, you'll receive professional advice, step-by-step guidance that will help you achieve success. 
best practices and tips for improving profits. Clicking on the link in the description or contacting us directly. Yeah, because I was thinking about how will AI act publicly about values, religion and people's rights. And if there's information being put in, can whoever is controlling the data block certain things or is it just going to be a free for all? That's the center of the open source versus closed system argument in AI that's going on right now. There's a relative handful of companies that have come out with a large language model, such as GPT-4 that powers ChatGPT, such as BARD that was in, introduced by Google, etc. There's a handful of these commercial ones. Among that handful of them, some very staunchly go down the path of open source, specifically Stability AI goes down the path of open source. As a result, it is open to everyone to be able to take, modify, and customize for a specific use. At the point where you go down that path, you've lost control in terms of being able to, to manipulate it because once again, it becomes an individualized. And even if it was manipulated, because it's open source, you have the ability to be able to, to change its direction. In fact, Stability AI's vision is that eventually there will be AIs that are created, not just individualized, but also becoming culturally sensitive. They get customized to the point that they go by culture, by, by country, et cetera. And that's how they wind up becoming trained because our ideas of what free flows of information are those ideas are strongly held in the West. They're not necessarily strongly held universally, right? Whether for the good or the bad, right? They're having an open source allows you to be able to take it in different directions. Having said that, this is a powerful tool for manipulation. It's incredibly powerful. Look at already the election rigging that's happening in various places, including the US by foreign adversaries. These elections were manipulated using very primitive tools, but yet they were successfully manipulated in terms of kind of the propaganda that was put out there, the bots that were putting out tweets, et cetera, representing one, one point of view or another. That stuff was happening before. This tool enables it to be done in a, quite frankly, much more sophisticated way. Yeah, I think Elon Musk mentioned something you know, well, he owns Twitter. Of course, he's going to be in the news, you know. Patty's <laughs> only made bankrupt Twitter, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But it's interesting what you're saying about what AI can do. And, you know, a lot of people know it can be, and as you said, it can be done for good or bad. And in the wrong hands, it can do a lot of damage. What fascinates me about it is life is about communication it's about influence and it's the language that we use either written language or spoken word has great power in this world that we live in and what i've seen from what we're using it is it's really a tool that's actually enhancing communication so from a business point of view if people are looking at it from a business point of view or a content creation or a customer service, like it's one of the biggest things that has come along, as you said, since the PC. I think it's bigger. I think it's a much more fundamental. I do share some concerns here. The, the, the biggest concern I, I have is not that there is a new technology here that is that has some inherent bad to it, you know. All technologies have some inherent bad to it, 
and society winds up adapting and changing and modifying and redirecting its course so that we get some positive benefit out of it. And that's happened all, all along the way. But what concerns me is the pace at which this one has happened. The steam revolution probably took three or four decades for it to really start to take off. And it only really took off in the Western world initially. The the electrification and the the electrical industrial age that that took a good 20 years to take hold maybe slightly longer pc era it took a long time i mean it took a good 10 15 years from the time that internet was something that was being used by a set of researchers at mit and in and, and stanford to the point where how can you possibly not have a school system without without internet that span was probably 15 years this this transition is going to happen in in uh, certainly less than ten years. Uh, some would argue less than five years. Did you mention to me off air that this was ready to go in two thousand and nine, but nobody was interested in it? Was it yourself that said that to me? Well, AI's been there's been multiple approaches to AI over the years, and so arguably. AI has gone through three different kind of big waves, you know, big hype wave that then crashed and another big hype wave that then crashed. And we're kind of arguably in our third wave here. Um, the first wave, the one that I, I was a, a list programmer in was the symbolic AI era. And that era had an enormous amount of energy behind it, an enormous amount of money behind it. Lots of companies thinking machine symbolics, there were there were list machine. There were a number. There were whole governments that were pumping billions of dollars in, into this because they it looked so promising. It turned out not to hold its promise. So um, so and what happened there is that the technical approach failed. Um, so in these various ways, there's been different technical approaches to solve it, and um, this eventually led into neural networks that led into deep learning that led into transformers that led into large language models which got us here today so there's been an evolution that's really happened um, of the technology that wind up yielding the first large language models in circa 2017 2018 kind of so it's all relatively recent what does that relation then to privacy and security then for for organizations and companies? For today, a large language model, what it does is it scrapes the internet to train itself. It does goes through an unsupervised learning process based on all of the public information on the internet. So from that perspective, it may be more sophisticated about answering a query that may contain some private data, but that data was out there anyway. Okay. However, it has no ability to be able to get behind a paywall to get information. It has no ability to get behind a password and get information, right? It stops there. So what's interesting here that will happen is that we're evolving toward a completely different IT architecture in the business world. The new architecture will wind up relying on, on the system, systems being trained on company proprietary data. So data that is behind the passwords and behind the paywalls. There is software out there that can crack codes. You know, I worked on an aircraft carrier and we all had email and our emails then were all shut down basically 
there was a program that went out that checked anyone's password and if cracked the password the account was closed down and this was 20 years ago this happened so with that and ai and technology i'm going well if they could do that 20 years ago to my password everything has advanced as well so there has to be some sort of parameters that are put in place you now people at the moment are thinking ai and they're thinking you know a chatbot but there's multiple different ways that it's working as well for people. And what I'm really fascinated is about the whole customer service part is, you know, it's going to take away this customer relation. And I'm kind of going, the way it's advancing so fast has me slightly worried. Also then, are we going to be in an era where it's going to put a vast amount of people out of work? Like the print and press or the loom did, is it going to be a shift for this quarter of a decade or whatever, maybe before people then find the new careers and new jobs, is it going to do a sudden shutdown and a lot of people are going to be unemployed? That, that's where, you know, going back to my original concern about the pace at which this is happening, that's yeah. my biggest concern. I don't doubt that whole new job categories get created because of this. In fact, um, it's some like 60% of all jobs job titles, job descriptions that exist today did not exist prior to World War II, right? So job categories and job types do evolve over time, okay? To have it happen so quickly will wind up requiring some wise leadership to be able to manage through that process in, in a graceful way. And hopefully we, we all do have the wise leadership that allows for those transitions. But yes, there will be a transition that happens. However, you had about four questions embedded in that one. I think on the business side, there's a much more fundamental shift that's happening than in reducing the number of customer service agents. There is no white collar position that you can describe which will not be affected by this technology, period, end of story. No white collar position. So what that means is that um, inside of a corporation, depending on the job category, you can get an 80% improvement in certain job categories as a result of using this technology. Maybe in some other, other white collar positions, only a 30% improvement in productivity. But overall, the enterprise becomes even small to medium-sized business all the way up to enterprise become much more productive. And so the and in that process, the IT model for what a business is completely changes. It's, it's a totally different mindset. The mindset today in the enterprise is that we have suddenly somebody woke up in the last decade or so and said, data is important. Data is, has enormous value to the enterprise. And there's there's been some, some rush to be able to organize data because it wasn't really kept very well and it was scattered all over the place and it wasn't even digitized, but suddenly there was a lot of value placed on, on data, which was a good precursor to this stage. What's happening, it's going to wind up happening is that, and, and this is referred to, uh, MIT recently published a paper in which they coined the term a lake house architecture, which I'm not a fan of the name, but I get the concept. Um, you have this data lake, right? So these corporations woken up and send, seen an enormous value in all this data they have. They have this data lake that's now increasingly well-organized. 
And up until now, in, in, the, in the data lake architecture, you had these various applications, many of which wind up being ent enterprise class SaaS products that they acquire from vendors of various sorts that go attach itself to the data and go provide some set of reports or functionality or workflows, whatever it is. In this new model, what happens is that there is a generative AI core which attaches itself to the data. That generative AI core could probably be an off, you could start with an off the shelf large language model that's been trained generically on the internet. It will then have a set of assistants attached to it that are specific, that have been trained in a specific domain. So an assistant that knows accounting really well, another assistant that knows legal really well. Another one that knows customer support really well. Another one that understands SIP. For each department, there will be specifically trained models that will generally know that area of expertise very well. And then as a final layer of training, the corporation will train those models in its own company proprietary information, the stuff behind the paywalls wow. and the passwords, et cetera. Lakehouse architecture means what you wind up with as a corporation, you wind up with a generative AI core engine that essentially is the heart, actually a better description, the brain of the company. There's one thing about it, as you said earlier, just want to jump back, is you know, it can't tell the difference between what is real and what is a lie because it's scraping everything off the internet. So it's only just giving you that data. But if people then are relying and i think people are going to be lazy and rely on it more and more and more and more that's that's just the evolution mm -hmm. of the human you know it, it, laziness is part of it unfortunately my question is you and me were of a generation where we knew to be bored you know we were generation x or z you know where <laughs> and you know, my kids look at me if I showed them what a rotary phone was. So I have kids now who are preteen. And their whole life as an adult is going to be completely different from ours. But if you were looking at the next generation, what career path should they be taking? Because AI is going to do away with a lot of it. So what is the career path that people should be looking at for the future of their children? Uh, you know, in any technological shift, there is the law of unexpected consequences, right? So we can't fully predict <laughs> with a magical crystal ball what how, how this evolves in, in, in every category, right? Uh, so they kind of, Software developers, let's take software developers as, as, as an idea. Software developers, if there was one safe job category in the entire universe, it was a guy who knows how to program in C or Python or whatever it is. Uh, even for programmers, uh, there are already tools out there that provide, uh, in fact, the person that at, at Tesla, who's re responsible for doing autonomous, the, our chief architect for autonomous driving, 
has come out publicly saying that he uses AI tools to generate 80% of his code. This is somebody at that level of coding. He's using AI tools to develop. So clearly, it, software developers become much more productive, right? So again, it's this idea that everyone becomes much more productive as a result. I would pick categories where um, I think we're going to evolve into a new kind of model for what jobs are. If you assume that the augment is where we're evolving to, that means that you, you always will wind up relying on the human creative spark to be able to initiate these, these conversations and the, mon, mon, the man, mundane nature of doing research or being able to, to, to um, structure something into the form of a paper. All the mundane parts of generating things is handled by AI, but I still do need that creative spark that comes from the human that needs to direct it into the various kind of areas that I'm interested in. In that world, being a person that is highly expert in a category at the conceptual level, not the rote memorization level, but at the conceptual level becomes very, very important. And it doesn't matter what domain that's in, right? And so that, by implication, think about what that means. By implication, our university systems are very much geared, actually our entire K through 16 system is really very geared around rote memorization, even still. Look at look at the average doctor. What do they, they spend years in medical school memorizing stupid names, right? These very arcane specific names, right? So they're not really there uh, or or descriptions of the diseases. Well, over time, how much value is that memorization when I have an AI augment that can provide me any of this stuff at any time instantaneously? It's much more important that I wind up learning conceptually how to deal with specific problems so that once again, that I'm best prepared to create, to have a creative spark, which is again, back to that, the Tesla architect for autonomous driving, he is the creative spark. It's not that that code is writing itself. Yeah, it it's... needs somebody that really is thinking through at a high level and it's having a machine generate the mundane code. So yeah, we, we, it, we really it's... don't need it's don't like need him to be naming variables, right? If if you look at, you know, the, the, and there's a clip going around YouTube at the moment where there's a woman in Japan bashing the head off a computer nurse yeah, in a hospital, and, and that kind of makes you think. But it's right. I think inventors, you know, people that are the creative mind you know, where we sit back and anything that has ever been produced in this world, no matter what it is, starts with a thought in someone's mind. Mm -hmm. And that thought then is put on paper or then is spoken about and it becomes something. But everything is, so let's say it's consciousness that mm -hmm. is actually producing it. So if that is the case, still where are we going to be looking at of what jobs are going to be safe and what jobs are not going to be safe? Someone doing your garden, you know, or day jobs, is it sales is going to be safe? Is it, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of be watching this 
as we are shooting down this track a million miles, what I do one of the, and one of the things I love is there's part of it is I can look at you and it can pick me up in AI and look at my camera. So you think that I'm looking at the camera instead of the person that that in itself in my <laughs> case. <laughs> but so you're getting yeah. back to exactly you're evolving as you, you're doing this line of question you're evolving into exactly the same point which is ai is simply an augment to yeah. us you yeah. still have to have human relationships i just will be able to uh, you know execute when, when quicker I, I'll, I'll be able to execute quicker and i'll be able to execute more creatively you know think think about a doctor trying to do a diagnosis right yeah, in medical school, it may have been taught some disease that was a one in a million case, but you think that he's going to drag drag up that memory when he's sitting there with a patient in front of him? Maybe not, right? However, if you have a, as we evolve, and certainly ChatGPT is not a great uh, diagnostician, right? It wasn't trained for that. But you can see the, the, where this is going. There will be a great diagnostician AI system that will far outpace any doctor's ability to be able to diagnose things. And then surgeons, you know, surgeons, there will be AI machines who will be able to probably do a better job than human error. You know, as soon as you cross the line over into robotics, it becomes harder to do because of the mechanical nature of it. Yeah. But not impossible. Not impossible. Nothing is impossible. Going back to this doctor example. I would be willing to put a bet down that within five years, it will be the basis of the malpractice lawsuit to not have consulted an AI on a diagnosis. Wow. Wow. Because the AI will do it better. Well, passed the bar exam in New York. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm thinking that it's only going to with people. I know a lot of people running around panicking. But I look at it as it's a tool to enhance the work that we do here. That's what I look at it. I'm we're able to actually give our clients now a far greater experience and go above and beyond that we've ever been able to go before because of the help of AI. So we're em- I'm embracing that part of it. Yeah. Yes, and we're going to go through a shift, and yeah. it's going to be quite frankly, you know. It, 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 all, all of these, all of these kind of fears and issues, concerns about where we we're going to have existed in each of these revolutions. You know, look at the look at the origin of the word sabotage. Yes. Well, it was great speaking to you, Armando, and thanks for coming on. Take care. Thank you so much once again. Take care.